The Fitness Hacks Podcast, Episode 4. We're talking with Travis Stetzel from The Forged Athlete. He gives us some insight on how he went from a personal trainer to a gym owner. Welcome to the Fitness Hacks Podcast by Redefining Strength. Breaking down fitness and the fitness business with some of the best names in the industry. And here are your hosts, Corey Lefkowitz and Ryan Heenan. Episode 4. It's pretty crazy that we're on episode 4 already. It's, it's been a fun journey. We've learned a lot. We've got to talk with a lot of great people about their different fitness journeys and about their different business journeys as well. Yeah, and it's great. Our guest today, Travis Stetzel from The Forged Athlete, offers some great insight. He was an athlete growing up and even uh, you know did some stuff in the NFL Combine and played arena football and transitioned from a personal trainer into a gym owner. I love his passion for training everybody like they're an athlete and his focus on goals in the gym and giving people recognition for the things they've accomplished. Yeah, and Travis was able to go from an 800-square-foot facility, and now he's looking to upgrading to a 10,000-square-foot facility, which is huge. He really brings up another great point that we sort of discussed with Dennis and Kelsey, and we even hit on with Kylie, that avatar, finding that perfect ideal client and really targeting them to build your business, whether or not it's online or in person. And Travis is going to take us through some of his processes when it comes to running Facebook ads and giving advice to people that are looking to maybe open their own gym if they're a personal trainer now. So let's jump right in. Hey, Travis, welcome to the show. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and your fitness journey and what led to your passion for fitness? For sure. Thanks, Ryan. Uh, number one, for having me on the show. I appreciate it, man. I'm very grateful to be on the show and kind of share my uh, my story and my expertise and hopefully it helps some people out there. But um, yeah, man, uh, owner of the Forged Athlete Gym uh, here in Omaha, Nebraska, uh, we got a lot, a wide variety of different uh, athletes that we train in the gym, and um, I guess when I say athletes, I'm referring to like everybody. So that's pretty much how I treat all my clients, as if they're athletes, whether they're you know competing in sports or not. Because in my eyes, you know everybody's a human athlete, whether they compete in sports or not. So um, we we train a lot of wrestlers. That's kind of like our niche, um, high high school wrestlers. Um, as far as like athletes go, like actual competitive athletes. And then we got, you know, just kind of the ex athlete adult crowd that are just wanting to become badasses in life, I guess, um, you know, fitter, stronger, harder to kill all that good stuff, you know? So, um, I guess my story started off, um, I, I got into body weight training real young, um, uh, just doing sports when I was young, you know, playing football, I, pr I pretty much did it all. When I was a young kid, very active, my dad got me involved in a lot of different things. So, um, uh, the, the, the main sport that really got me, um, thinking about fitness and training was wrestling. And so, uh, my dad got me into body weight training pretty young, um, doing pull-ups. I, I can remember, uh, we had a, uh, a clothesline hanger behind our house. And back then as a kid, really, really never even cross your mind. Like I'd just be outside playing, playing football with my friends. I'd just jump up and start doing some pull-ups, you know, and now it's, you know, people, when, when they get older, they, they put more thought into it and they, they think working out is almost a chore, but, um, the, the good things when you're a kid, right. But, um, yeah, I got into body weight training quite a bit. So I was doing push-ups like every night before bed and, 
um, pull-ups, like I uh, was telling you. And then uh, we had my dad actually put a pegboard up on behind our garage, and he originally put that up for my sister um, when she was getting ready for the army. My sister served in the uh, army for nine years, 82nd Airborne, and so uh, that uh, kind of got her into a lot of training. And so my dad put up a pegboard, and um, I'd, I'd climb that a lot, and my friends would come over and try to climb it and whatnot, but. No, I uh, got into training at a real young age. Um, then when uh, high school came around, narrowed my sports down to baseball, football, wrestling, and um, stuck with uh, football and baseball into college. And I guess uh, speeding ahead from there, obviously was training for those sports, um, trying to make it to the next level. Uh, when I was in college, my focus originally was to – you know, continue my football career. I had a, a lot of the uh, attributes um, to take it to the next level. I just didn't have the size. And so um, did a, uh, a lot of different uh, NFL combines, arena football combines. So my focus after college was done was uh, preparing and training for that. So um, getting stronger, more explosive, faster. And so after a couple of combines, I kind of realized I wasn't going to make it to the next level. Uh, I was playing a little bit of uh, professional indoor football, but uh, I, you know, I had to make the choice. Hey, do I want to keep trying to make this dream happen and you know live in paycheck to paycheck, or uh, do I flip it around and I start training, you know, athletes, you know? So that's when I made the the switch and I said, you know, I want to be a strength coach, and so started just building my knowledge. Um, doing everything I could to get myself better as far as um, being a trainer was concerned. started training at a big um, kind of globo gym, doing the one-on-one thing for a while, and then uh, kind of started to get burned out with the whole one-on-one thing. And that's when I, um, I found Zach Evanesh originally and uh, really resonated with him, all the stuff that he was doing with the Underground Strength Gym. And so – actually took a trip out to New Jersey and that literally changed my training career. Um, came back to Omaha. Uh, that's when I started the Forge Athlete Gym. And uh, what started as like a little 800 square foot gym, uh, we're now in a 3,000 square foot gym. And I actually just looked at a space yesterday that's about 10,000 square feet. So we're we're making the move up to another facility and uh, continuing uh, to grow that way. So that's kind of my story, how I got into it um, as far as the Forge Athlete goes. And I kind of mentioned, you know, the different type of people that we train. So um, that's where we're at right now. Travis, you are literally a homegrown athlete. I think it's amazing that you did so many of those things in your backyard. And I think you raised such a great point that no matter whether or not someone's a professional athlete, a recreational athlete, a weekend warrior, we all want to train like we're athletes. Can you tell us a little bit more about the programs at your gym and how you train even just the weekend warriors as athletes? For sure. Uh, Yeah, the number one thing I always tell everybody uh, when they're coming into our gym uh, you know, we always get the phone calls and we're doing, you know, interviews, um, you know, just finding out more about people's, you know, goals and whatnot. And then they always ask us, hey, what what type of workouts do you do in the gym? And so really to break it down, everything we do is athletic performance based or um, everything focuses in on performance. So 
In other words, we want to get you stronger, you know, more, um, more mobile, able to move without pain. Obviously, that's one of the, the main things we want to do with a lot of people because when they first come into the gym, they can't even do a bodyweight squat correctly. Um, you know, they can barely do full range of motion push-ups or even pull-ups, you know, even recline rows. So normal bodyweight movements that people should be able to do, they can't do. So when they come into our gym, our number one focus is to get people performing better across the board. So uh, strength is one of the main uh, key attributes with that. Um, capacity or endurance, you know, we're always trying to build that as well. And um, another thing that uh, is blended into the mixture is mindset, right? So everything we do in the gym, is it's going to challenge people um, in various different ways, which in turn, um, you know, spreads to their, their life beyond the gym. But um, yeah, as far as the training that we do in the gym, it's all functional um, based fitness. So uh, we start a lot of people out with body weight, kettlebells, sandbags, uh, very easy to teach. And then uh, we kind of make people earn their right to get under a barbell and uh, start throwing barbells around. Um, I know <clears throat> uh, the fitness industry has kind of taken a uh, turn. You know, there's a lot of bad um, gyms out there. Um, most people look at them as, you know, CrossFit gyms, but I know a lot of gyms that um, – a lot of CrossFit gyms that are very, very good, but at the same time, you know, there's a lot that are very, very bad. So people are so fast to, um, try to progress and do movements that they're not, um, you know, exactly ready for. So that's, that's our big focus in the gym is progress and kind of, uh, incremental, incrementally getting better. So we have a, def a couple different, uh, systems within the gym, um, that we use to keep not only keep people, uh, you know, focusing on progress, but to keep them motivated. Um, cause like I said, everybody's an athlete in our gym, uh, whether they're trying to compete in a sport or not. So <clears throat> what we've, what I've found over the years, and I've gone through this experience myself is, you know, after sports are done, like what, what's the big reason, you know, to train anymore. Right. So when I was an athlete, it was easy. I had to train or I wasn't going to play. Right. Or I had to train and I had to train to get myself better to excel to the next level. Well, <clears throat> what I find a lot is, you know, athletes that competed at a high level, they kind of get a void, um, you know, kind of a empty space in their life. They, they kind of lose that direction. And so what we've built in the gym is a reason to um, kind of train. So it's, it's based on that performance again. So we have a lot of different standards, um, that we have in the gym. Uh, we have a big, uh, beast, we call it the beast board. It's, it's a big record board. So obviously it's got all the, the normal, uh, one rep maxes on there. And then we got a couple different special, um, benchmark type workouts. But then, um, what we've, uh, adapted in the gym that has worked really, really, uh, really, really well is the, uh, we call it the beast band system. And basically it's a series of rubber bands that you can earn, um, over time. So it's very similar to how like martial arts is set up with the, uh, belts. Like people come in, they start with a white belt and then they progress themselves up to a black belt. So very similar with that. There's, um, a white band, a gray, a red, and then a black. And so when people come in, we always explain, what those mean and um 
what it kind of takes to get to those different levels. So the white for anybody coming into our gym, our, our goal as coaches is to get them a white band within four weeks, you know? So there's a lot of different standards on that, um, that people uh, accomplish over time. But, um, you know, pretty much anybody that focuses in on their, their fitness and does the things that we tell them over time within four weeks, more than likely they can get to that point. Um, but that's, that's really kind of, uh, I guess, a bird's eye view of what we do in the gym. I love all the different things you do with your clients and the fact that you have such a focus on progression. I think so often nowadays when we go to the gym, we think I want the gnarliest workout. We want the gnarliest workout possible. I can't even say it, but we do. We want the gnarliest workout possible instead of focusing on goals. And I think all the different ways that you sort of have laid out all the different ways you have of giving people sort of public credit for accomplishing these goals. It's truly amazing. And I think it's also such a great life lesson because not only in the gym do we need to be this focused, but also with our business. Can you sort of talk about some of the goals maybe you've set for growing your business since you have grown from that, what, 800 square foot now to going into a 10,000 square foot one? Yeah, as far as goals go, um, you know, we set goals every single month to, you know, increase uh, membership. And I guess looking at that, I can give a lesson here. Um, when I first started the gym, I'm sure you guys know, you know, like uh, Groupon and Living Social, Living Social, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when I first started my gym, um, I was one of the first gyms in Omaha that was contacted by Groupon, and I remember. Uh, I just got like dollar signs in my eyeballs when they contact me because I was like, oh my God, I'm going to fill my gym up with 500 people. Easy, right? And so little did I know I had no system in place um, in regards to like retaining these people. I was just, you know, just starting off. Um, I just thought, hey, I'm going to deliver an awesome workout to these people and they're going to stay, right? And um, not so much. And I guess as a business, you need to have an overall kind of mission statement. And ours is, you know, really building a solid community of like-minded people. And so what I was finding when I did the group on, I was just getting a bunch of people in the gym that weren't necessarily as serious as I wanted them to be about, uh, training. Um, so they, they just weren't the right fit for the type of gym that we were. So we were getting a lot of people coming in, they came in on a really cheap deal and so they're kind of bringing the whole atmosphere of the gym and what we were trying to build down. And so I think uh, any new business owner or gym owner, um, when they when they kind of take a step back and look at growth overall, I would much rather take smaller um, um, growth over like very fast, big growth. Because um, when you go smaller – uh, you're going to build up a bigger base. You're going to build up a bigger, um, I guess, bigger base of qual- high quality people. Um, and this isn't like anything personal, like saying, oh, this person is way better than this person because they train in our gym. It's just the type of person that fits in your gym and your specific facility. So um, the people that enjoy going to curves obviously aren't going to fit into our gym very well, right? And so um, the way I kind of look at growing my gym. Um, we're, we're to a point now where we've almost got like a velvet rope around the gym. And so we're very selective with the different people that we take in. And so we have like a whole application process that people have to go through to see if they're going to be a good fit. And, and we let them know 
upfront firsthand, like what's expected of them um, when they join the gym, like they're expected to work hard and, you know, be consistent and, uh, you know, be positive when they're there. Because at this point you let somebody in that's like, you know, negative minded and, you know, is going to be kind of like a cancer. Um, it can mean bad things for your business. So those are just some of the different lessons I've learned over time, but, um, kind of back to the goals that you were talking about. Um, typically just have, um, goals of just growing the gym, uh, you know, with high quality people. So, um, you know, anywhere from like 10 to 15 people a month is like our overall target. But if we build it, um, and we just get like five or six new people in, um, it's a success. Cause, uh, again, if they're joining and they're joining long-term, then we know we've added somebody of value that's going to value everybody else in the gym. So that's really how I kind of look at it. Uh, business wise, hopefully I answered your question, um, with what you're asking, but, uh, I don't know. Let me know. No. Yeah, that was definitely a great answer. And I think it's great that so early on in the process, you realized you were bringing on the wrong type of clients. Mm -hmm. In the last couple episodes, we actually talked about building that avatar and building that ideal client. I think Groupon and Living Social are mistakes because you're attracting deal hoppers and not necessarily someone who's going to add value to your community. Yep, exactly. And community is such a big deal, and it's something that you can't experience until you're actually physically in the gym itself. And that's why it's important to have a system in place to ensure that you're bringing the right people into the gym. Yep. Travis, were there any other challenges that you faced along the way that you learned from that eventually led to growth? Um, it is to uh, charge what you are worth. Definitely charge what you are worth. Um, kind of had a stint there. I was probably three, three, four years ago, like CrossFit was really booming and we're not a, uh, CrossFit affiliated gym. Um, I, however, do compete in CrossFit. So I've done like CrossFit regionals multiple years and I do the open every year. And that's, that's pretty much how I train, um, to, to compete in CrossFit, but we're not affiliated with CrossFit. And I'm so happy that, um, we chose not to affiliate. Like there's a point where, um, I was uh I was going to jump on the old bandwagon so to speak and go ahead and become an affiliate so I can market as a CrossFit gym but honestly that's what that's why we're so much different than all the gyms around us. We're not a CrossFit gym. Um we're not just doing random wads of the day and you know different things like that. So we're not we're not a um full-fledged, you know, cross die-hard CrossFit type gym whereas, you know, you know, the public are going to look at what we're doing. Oh, they're doing you know, Olympic lifts or they're doing stuff with, uh, the rings or they're doing muscle ups. They must be a CrossFit gym, right? So we typically get that, but, um, kind of in the middle there, um, going back to what I was saying, all these CrossFit gyms were popping up and, uh, we were getting clients that were saying, Hey, I can train at this gym all seven days of the week for, you know, something ridiculous, like, 70 bucks or like 90 bucks. I don't know. I didn't even, I can't even remember. It was, it was just really ridiculously low price. And, um, at first I started like giving into that and I was saying, Oh, well I'll cut your membership in half. And really when you start to do that, then everybody's going to want to do that. And you almost have to be fair. And, um, you know, if the word gets out, you're going to have a really big problem on your hands. So I think that's one of the biggest things I would say, uh, to any new, business owner, figure up what you're going to charge and don't be 
stingy on that, charge what you're worth, and you got to put your foot down on the ground. And uh, again, it's about building those, building a quality community. You're going to get the people in that realize it's an investment into their health. And uh, if you're delivering a freaking awesome experience and giving the people awesome results, then they're going to figure out a way to invest in themselves and make, you know, whatever you're charging, um, you, you know, they'll, they'll be able to make that payment. Long story short is what I found out. So um, when all these different gyms started popping up, um, you know, instead of cutting my prices, um, which I did at the beginning, I finally said, screw it. We're way different than them. Um, and we even, uh, the, the, the way my schedule is set up at my gym and I've always stuck with this is we train Monday, Wednesday, Friday for our main, uh, strength program, Tuesday, Wednesdays are kind of totally open. So there's no active coaching other than, uh, we got a shred program, which is like just body weight and kettlebells. And so I, I've gotten to the point where I've hired out another coach to run that. But I remember that was another issue is, um, you know, people were like, well, I can train Monday through Friday or Monday through Sunday at this gym and I can go in whenever I want. And I just got to a point where I was like, okay, well go to their gym and you know, they don't do what we do. Um, and you're gonna, you're gonna get what you pay for. And you know, usually nine times out of 10, those people come back and they're like, yeah, you're right. And we've actually had, um, quite a few incidents, uh, quite a few, um, situations where people left and they were gone for like a month and then you know they wanted to come back and um you know it's it's pretty regular occurrence but that was probably one of the biggest mistakes was just uh dropping my price um and it just felt terrible doing it too because I knew in the back of my mind I was like uh I'm just you know I'm worth well way more than what I'm going to offer this person just to you know match this XYZ gym down the road you know so if a person really wants to leave um, due to price, then more than likely you're not doing something right as a coach. You're not giving them what they need. So that needs to change pretty quick. Or that person just, you know, like I said, isn't a good fit in the gym and they just don't have the same vision and uh, I guess same mindset as far as, um, you know, investing in their health and fitness goes. So. You raise such an interesting point with like the price. And I think so often we get so focused on what the cost of our training is that we don't think about the fact that our ideal client will be willing to pay that. Instead, we just want to go after anybody cutting our prices, slashing them down to ridiculously low rates. But the thing is, is if you target the right person, they're going to be willing to pay it. Now, the question is, how do you market to that right person? How have you done that, Travis? Uh, Facebook ads (laughs) by far, uh, best thing that's ever happened to the business. Uh, I, I, you can get so targeted with your Facebook ads. It's crazy ridiculous, as I'm sure you guys know. I think what I love most about the Facebook ad platform is that it's the exact opposite as Groupon. You can get so targeted with your ads and go after your exact ideal client versus Groupon. You really have no idea who's purchasing your offer. Yep, exactly right. So once you target the right person on Facebook, what's your process to getting them into the gym and sort of weaning out those people that aren't right? Basically, the uh, the way my system works, uh, put different Facebook ads out. I got a couple different programs that I run, a specific program uh, for women and a specific program for men. And so I'm ta- obviously, I'm not just t- uh, throwing ads up there that are for men and women. 
because um, uh, when you get a little more targeted and niche down, uh, you can speak to those clients better. So instead of saying, you know, new 28 day program, you can say for men, you know, and that's going to kind of call them out a little bit better. Or you can say for women, and then you kind of speak in their language and you take them through that whole funnel. But um, that's just as far as targeting goes. But um, basically, the way the funnel works is uh, it's on Facebook, takes them uh, directly. I've tested this out and I've kept this up there. Um, the ad basically just um, says we're looking for, you know, X amount of guys or we're looking for an X amount of girls to join our, you know, proven effective XYZ program. Uh, click here to, uh, you know, um, submit an application. And basically it gives some other details on like, you must be willing to, you know, follow nutritional advice and some stuff that kind of piques people's interest and it takes them straight to an application page. And so from there, um, we get their name, all the basic inf- information. We start uh, kind of taking them through the process of finding out more about them. So what are their goals? What are they trying to do? What have they done in the past? You know, all that stuff, what's kind of prevented them from getting results. And then I make it very, very clear at the bottom. And there's actually uh, a video at the top that kind of walks them through the process first. So I kind of do an introduction. So people kind of put a name to the face and uh, introduce myself, tell them a, a little bit about the gym. And this is like a a 90 second video. So people's attention, attention spans are not very good anymore. So, um, and I, I'm, I'm up front that it's not a free program. That was one of the mistakes I was making was a lot of people were applying for these, uh, these programs thinking that I was going to like just select somebody and let them come in for free. And so I make it pretty clear that it's, you know, 99 bucks or we've tested 149. We've done We've done ads for uh, two forty nine too. So, um, but basically, our goal is to get them on the phone, and so I make it pretty clear what the price is, uh, what their expectations are going to be, and what the next steps are. And so, as, as soon as somebody applies, um, they're added to our marketing list or so email list through Infusionsoft. So, if they don't sign up right away, at least we can put them on our newsletter and uh, stay in contact with them in, uh, with them that way. Um, but as soon as they apply, it takes them to another page, and it says schedule yourself you know, for a uh, phone call. So <clears throat> once, once they do that, and I just use a free app called uh, Calendly, and basically gives them, shows them my schedule and um, how that all works. So they set themselves up for a call, and then the next step is I tell them that I'm going to text them 10 minutes before the call. And so I'll get people that fill out, that get all the way up to this step. They fill everything out. They apply. They set themselves, they set themselves up for a phone call. And I text them and nothing. So I won't call anybody unless they reply back to my text. Because if I know they reply back to my text, I know they're ready. I know they're, they're more than likely serious. And so, um, once I get them on the phone, it's an easy, easy close. Cause I already know these people are serious. So, uh, really that's kind of the process. If, if they don't answer my text, then they kind of go into a uh, sequence, um, a follow-up sequence that 
either uh, tries to get them back on the phone again or they just go to our main newsletter. So that's really kind of the process. Well, Travis, you obviously have your system for running Facebook ads nailed down between split testing different prices and using different copy directed towards men and women. It seems like you've been pretty successful with getting that ideal client. Yeah, that was really the whole goal. Um, when I first, start, well, of course, when Facebook ads came out, it's kind of like the whole Groupon thing. I had no system in place, and I can remember running ads. And I, I, uh, I think the when it finally clicked um, in regards to like uh, Facebook ads, like it was finally working. I remember just within one afternoon, I got seventy five leads, um, seventy five people to fill out the application. And it was a freaking nightmare because I had no way of – back then I was just doing cold calls. And so um, I had all these people that applied, but I had no system in place to like follow up with them, get them on the phone. And there's nothing worse. To me, like I hate calling people like cold, right? Just calling them up out of the blue. I just hate it. Uh, something I had to do at the Globo Gym I worked at. I freaking hated it. And even if these people just – like literally these people would fill out the application, uh, for these programs. And, uh, I would call them up like maybe five minutes later and I'd be like, Hey, I'm Travis from the forge athlete gym. And I'd, I'd get some pretty nasty replies sometimes. And it was just like, what the hell you just freaking filled this application out. So, um, did away with that. When I put in, uh, the Calendly step, uh, it changed everything, man. It saved so much time save so much uh, uh, stress. So definitely recommend setting that up if, you know, for any trainers that are going to be listening to this for sure. Are there any other tools that you use that you've had success with? Um, those are the, the main ones that I use right now, honestly. Um, real simple. Um, Infusionsoft, uh, man, there's there's definitely a learning curve um, to, to Infusionsoft when you first start. Um, but once you figure it out, holy, holy hell. Like there's so much stuff that you can do with it, but uh, yeah, um, Infusionsoft, um, Calendly, and then as far as how I manage my gym, like payments and stuff like that, I've I'm still with Mind Body right now, um, thinking about making the change over to Zen Planner. Um, I've heard good things about it, but um, honestly, nothing's nothing's broken at this point, so I'm really not looking to fix it. So Travis, what's one piece of advice you could give a trainer who's maybe working at a Globo gym right now and wants to make the transition to owning their own business? Uh, I'd tell them to do exactly what I did. And this is, this is what I did kind of step by step. Number one, um, all the clients that I had at my Globo gym, um, I didn't, I didn't envision all of them coming with me to the gym. Um, obviously there was, um, some clients that weren't my ideal clients. So what I started doing uh, doing right away um, when I was out looking for a, a space was I was starting to round everybody up, so to speak, and uh, talking to my clients. I was saying, hey, if I was to leave, would you come with me? And, um, you know, I to kind of back myself up, I, I needed to kind of have a good um, estimate of what I was going to be making if I, you know, left the gym. And so I started talking to people and uh, started actually contacting old clients uh, that couldn't afford the prices the Globo Gym was charging because back then it was all one-on-one sessions. And like the boot camps really hadn't uh, popped out yet. 
And so that was the first thing that I did was I started training boot camps um, outside. So I just load my Jeep up with sandbags and kettlebells and I'd meet I'd meet a bunch of people at uh the football field. There was a nice football field at a high school. Didn't cost anything to use it. Um so I just I think I got to a point where I had like 30 people in that boot camp and so that's when I was like, "All right, I need to really find a space." So um that that'd be step number 1, start talking to all your clients, see see who's going to come with you. Um start training people outside of the gym. Um, gotta be, uh, gotta be careful with it though. Um, funny story about that. And, um, I was happy that I had everything kind of in line. I had already signed the lease for my first gym and, uh, I was actually gonna go in and put in my two weeks for my, uh, current job that I was working at, uh, the global gym. And funny enough, I'm sitting there, because I, I start at this point, I was running boot camps before I'd go into my job at the Globo Gym, and so, and they, I, I knew they kind of caught wind of that when I was always for the two years I worked there for like the first year and you know almost two like I'd say year and ten months or so, uh, I was always at the gym at five a.m. Right, and then I stopped showing up at the gym at five a.m. because I was training all my boot camps, and so. Um, we're getting ready to do this boot camp, and I got like 20 people out there and, uh, I see this truck drive by and I was like, that looks real familiar, that truck. And they're driving by all slow and, uh, sure as shit. Um, it was, uh, the regional, uh, manager of the Globo gym I worked at and my boss. And so they like, they're just like running by acting like they're running by going on like a, a little jog. And I noticed we like made eye contact. I was like, Hey Jeff, what's going on, man? And, uh, he's like, yo, you need to come into my office when you get into the gym this morning. And I was like, no problem. I was like, you guys want to join us for a workout? <laughs> so at that point I knew they were going to fire me that day. Cause it was a conflict of interest. So I was doing all that stuff kind of under, under the radar. And, uh, Funny enough, like I said, I was going to actually go in that day and put in my two-week notice, and uh, they would have fired me either way. So it was like a blessing in disguise because uh, once that happened, I it really lit a fire under my butt a little bit more to kind of pick pick things up a little bit more and get my gym rolling. So, um, But long-winded story on what to do stepwise, um, I would start talking to all your clients and seeing who's going to come with you. I'd tell them uh, in, in order to like – I guess grow your business a little bit bigger, tell your clients to tell their friends, you know, put some sort of special package together, like the first, you know, 50 clients that sign up at at your gym or your boot camp are going to get, you know, a lifetime membership of, you know, X amount of dollars. I wouldn't go below $99, never go below $99 for anything. Um, but uh that's that's what I'd do if I was starting back if I was starting over. And uh, looking to leave the gym, that's what I'd do. You have done so many different things. You've trained in CrossFit. You've worked at a Globo gym. You've, you've trained outside of your house doing the pegboard. Can you sort of tell me where you think the future of fitness is? Future of fitness, um, I think as technology gets better, um, honestly, I'd like to see it continue to just get more functional. Um, it is it is starting to come around a little bit more, uh, just functional training and, and, uh, 
you know, overall, um, we're starting to get away from the machines and whatnot, but really I think the closer we just get to the basics, like body weight training, training with kettlebells, you know, training with, uh, sandbags and, you know, uh, barbells even, um, and just figuring out better ways to do that. <clears throat> I think that's the future of fitness is we're going to start to see more and more. We're going to actually start to see, um, I think, uh, you know, Globo gyms popping up, finally catching wind of, you know, the functional fitness, you know? So, I mean, you already got it going on right now, but it's just going to become more and more, um, common, I think. So I think that's really where it's going. They're already getting the ropes in there. <laughs> yep. Yep. I've noticed that. Um, well, a big, a big, uh, gym lifetime. I'm sure you guys have heard of lifetime. They, they tried to build their own brand of uh, CrossFit. And so it's called alpha and, uh, actually one of my good buddies, Kyle Kasperbauer, who, um, he got third in the CrossFit games back in 2012, um, before he left lifetime and started his own gym, um, they brought that on. And I mean, he's on the inside and he told me straight up, he's like, yep, this is their way of trying to compete with CrossFit. And so it really hasn't worked because you can't build that type of environment. Um, you know, like the kind of hardcore grunge type of fitness in a lifetime. Right. So it just doesn't mix well, but, um, I noticed I, I saw that like they pretty much, I mean, it's a CrossFit gym inside a, you know, really fancy gym. Like there's just like a, a separate room for it. So I don't think it's really picked up that well, but, um, you're seeing big box gyms like that trying to, trying to go that way. They know that type of stuff is working. So doesn't quite have that warehouse feel though. No, no, not at all. All right. And here's my favorite part of the show. It's called the five fast fitness facts. And this is where we really get to know you. Sure. We're going to fire off five questions at you. So go ahead and give us your best answers. Sure. I'll try. So question number one, what is your favorite exercise? Favorite exercise, man. I'd have to say the clean and press um, just because uh, it, it, it pretty much hits everything. Clean and jerk, I would say. So, I mean, you're hitting everything from head to toe. Taking the, whether it's a sandbag, set of kettlebells or a barbell, I mean, you're hitting everything from head to toe. So, um, if I was left to only use one exercise for the rest of my life, it'd have to be the clean and jerk. What exercise do you love to hate? Love to hate pistols. Pistols for sure. Pistols for me have been a battle, I guess. Uh, just building up the mobility. Like I've always had the strength to do them, but my mo mobility being a football player and, you know, having lots of history with ankle, like sprained ankles and stuff, my ankle mobility just where it just isn't any good. And so anytime pistol squats come up in a workout, you know, it, they're going to crush me. But um, when I'm warmed up and feeling good and able to do them. I love them. Um, so I'd, I'd have to say pistols. Yeah. Those are two pretty intense exercise answers. I think those are the two craziest ones that we've had. <laughs> Question number three, what is the best book you've ever read? Oh man, best book. Uh, it'd have to be think and grow rich for sure. Uh, that literally changed my life. Um, I read it right, right on the verge of when I was leaving the Globo gym and, um, starting my own gym and it just, 
not necessarily. I mean, it just changed my whole mindset, my whole outlook on what is um, honestly achievable in life. And really, there there's nothing uh, too far out of reach. It just all comes down to our our own mind and our own belief system. So I think that that book led to many, many, many other books um, that had to be the top one. And what's your favorite pump up song? Pump up song? Oh man. Uh, anything. I don't have a particular song, I guess it'd have to be rage against the machine. They got lots, a lot of good ones. Pantera, just depends on what mood I'm in, I guess. Uh, I mean, I'll I'll do stuff from, you know, Rick Ross and you know, rap sometimes. So it just kind of depends. But typically, it's Metallica. I'd have to say Metallica, for sure. That's still more specific than Dennis. His was techno or rap. Okay, <laughs> a, lot, a lot of a uh, lot of differences in those two. <laughs> and last question: If you could train with one person, alive or dead, who would it be, and why? have to be Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee for sure. Um, I would just want to, if I could just hang out with that guy for a day and just pick his brain and go through a typical day of what he, what he used to do and whatnot. I mean, he was just a fascinating human being as far as like mindset and just, I mean, he was unreal. His physical abilities, um, just very interesting person that I think would you know, obviously the, the people that you hang around with, you're going to kind of become more like those people. So I'd have to say Bruce Lee for sure. Ooh, that's a good one, Bruce Lee. So Travis, for those listening, why don't you tell them where they can find you and how they can connect with you? For sure. Um, there's a couple different ways. Um, gym wise, uh, forged, the forged athlete at Gmail or the forged athlete.com. Uh, is my main uh, site for my gym. Um, as far as like online training and all that goes, I got a, um, a a brand as far as online training goes, trainaggressive.com. Uh, people can reach me through that. And then uh, theforgedathlete at gmail.com if uh, people want to reach out to me and, you know, ask questions or, uh, you know, whatever follow up after this call, uh, I'd be happy to help people. So uh, you can find me through those different those different uh, forums there. Travis, thank you so much. We're so glad that you came on the show. Definitely. I uh, again appreciate you guys asking me to be on. Uh, hopefully, uh, I was able to share some good uh, good insights and good tips for people to help them out. Thanks for listening to the Fitness Hacks Podcast by Redefining Strength. For the show notes and more episodes, visit redefiningstrength.com.